There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yes, what a guest. We've got the most handsome man on sports scene. Now, uh, not much competition, <laughs> not competition not much is there? Competition, yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> you must look forward. Imagine looking that good on a Sunday night oh, in the telly. Uh, He's a brilliant guy, I told you. Uh, Mike and I. Uh-huh. We, I mean, we got on well. Uh, you know, it's a long day on Sunday. Nine hours. And they're, you know, normally get... Nine hours? I get in there about 11 in the morning. Um, you'll have kind of given the producer bits and bobs that you want him to cut for you from a Saturday. I'll speak to guys... Uh, that are playing in the matches, you've got to get a good feel for it because at the end of the day, you can't just go out on a, a Sunday night and, and say something that isn't necessarily true. So I'll speak to players that have maybe played in the game and say, right, what was the issue? Oh, we were too deep. So I'll maybe then say to the producer, can you give me five clips of Hamilton being deep? And then I'll pick the best three and then you take that through to graphics and then you've got to put all the wee things on them. So there's a long process involved in it. But anyway, most of it's stuck in a room with Mikey for... For nine hours can be a long day, especially if he starts talking about the old politics, and it's uh, it becomes a great. You wind them up. Aye, but I mean, I'm not into politics in the slightest, but it doesn't interest me. Uh, but you know, he is, you know, he's fascinated by it. He loves it. He loves all the propaganda, and I think he's employed by the SNP secretly. Yeah, yeah. Like, he must be. But anyway, he's in there, so I, I don't know anything. But I'll just think of wee nuggets to drop in during the day to wind them up. And, you know what it's like after a while he's going to bite so I'll be dropping in things like ah but you said it was a once in a lifetime vote Mikey and you can just see the steam in his ears coming up and then he'll say he'll just fucking snap and he'll be like you're the fucking problem with this country you prick I'm just like yes Mikey in you come son but uh, it's good I mean we have what a about the, I want to ask you about the clobber Who pick, do you pick your own clobber or no I just wear what I want to wear, really. What, I mean, it, is it buttons? Fuck. <laughs> uh, I don't buy a lot of designer gear, to be honest with you. Um, but he's I, always imagining. Is that like planned? I'm not imagining. I'm imagining. Uh, I was thinking he's looked quite coordinated. And then wee Johnny's sitting like a bag of washing, man. Ah, uh, he looks like a waiter. He always wears <laughs> his wee black top and wee black tie. But uh, God, no, Mikey's alright. I've been worried about him recently though because he's been coming in. He moved house in Edinburgh, and he's been coming in the other day. There, and he's like, "That was fun. Look at this. He's put a punch bag in the basement of his house." On the on the roof, and he's shown me this video of him topless, sweating, hitting this punch bag. I'm like, you ever not right, mate? Ever okay at home? <laughs> but I took it. Do you know? I, I went home and I thought about what he was doing, and I've worked it out. And he's actually he knows Levine's coming for him. He knows it's happening. Yeah, so he's, in he so he's down there. He's down there with Ira Tiger on, getting ready <laughs> to try and for when Levine Levine will knock him clean out. Let's be honest. Tremendous One punch. But you when I spoke to you about him, your words were who ginger pubes. <laughs> uh, Did you ever cross paths when you were playing? Mikey came when I was at Rangers. Mikey came for a pre-season. Uh, I think they went to Germany or something. He was going to sign, but I'm not actually sure why he didn't sign. In the end, he uh, 
He was a good player. Do you know what? He was technically a decent player. Mm. Clearly, he had the ability to upset people at times. You know, he still does. Um, but he always, you know, the one thing that you'll get about Mikey is he always, you know, he's not afraid to call something. And, he, you know, he's not afraid of the consequences no, of calling something. Yeah, he, he goes for it. And do you know what? There's a lot to be said for that, especially if you're a pundit. Um, do you think that brings that out in you as well? Do you feel like I need to do this as well? Not really, no. I don't want the trouble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I, you know, I, I just call what I, what I genuinely think when I see the incident. Mm. If it's right or wrong, then that's it. That's, you're paid to give an opinion. And opinions are always subjective. So, like, loads of folk are going to disagree with your opinion. Loads of folk are going to agree with your opinion. One thing it doesn't make you is a prick. It's just my opinion. <laughs> oh, are you a fucking prick? Oh, you said that wasn't a penalty. All right, calm down, man. Mate, we, say, that... we say stuff on here, right? We are three oh. clowns, and we people say to us, can't I believe you said that, mate. Who cares? That's it. I mean, we're on there to give our opinion. You give your opinion, you try and do it to the best of your ability, and that's it, you know. But How... that's, see, if, see if people agreed. There would be no football punishing. People wouldn't speak about it up and down every pub or anywhere across the country. Mm. It's, the, it's the difference of opinion that makes football brilliant. Yeah, of course. Because if we all just sat and agreed and everything, it'd be boom. Right, good. Uh, see the social media. Why are you not on it? Is it because well, of the reaction you get? Uh, but I'm the Twitter especially. Is it because of the reaction? I went on and I, I came off. David Van Zanten was saying to me, Tom, well, you need to go on Twitter uh, when I was still playing. And I was like, because I know, like, I know most of the things on Twitter are abusive. You get the odd nice things said about you. I'm pretty sure you get lots of nice things said about you, but uh, you know, it, most of it can be abusive. So. I thought, right, I'll go on, a wee social experiment. I went on, I think I was on for two weeks, uh, and I just came off again. <laughs> was there abuse? Oh. What, constant? Like, oh. All sorts of abuse. Sorry about that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was getting dogs. But, like, I think you've got to just accept that. Like, Mikey, he'll, he'll get dogs abuse and laughs it off and loves it. I don't particularly want to be spending my time reading negative comments about myself. So... I'd rather not have that you in my life. you done that enough as a player. Too right. I had plenty of that. <laughs> um, thank God social media wasn't about when, <laughs> you know, when I was playing. But um, What about in public? Have you ever had any? Just, like, sorry, not, nothing too bad, to be honest. Again, David Van Zanten, his favourite story is we were outside. We came out of uh, Tyne Castle and we're signing autographs for the fans, you know, as you do after the game. And, is this when you're at St. Martin, sorry? Aye, yeah. there's a wee barrier and you're signing autographs and... This wee house, Ned came up to me and I, Thompson, you Athenian bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and Vanzi's sitting pushing himself. And I, I'm going, what? He says, you're Athenian bastard. And I went, do you even know what that means? Right? And Vanzi's crying, laughing, and he went, no, but you're shite sports scene as well. Vanzi <laughs> like, oh, loves it. I was just, that was me on toast, so I just went on to the bus. Oh, amazing, um, man. Aye, but you know, you don't actually get a lot of abuse. A lot of the time, I actually get people being quite complimentary and saying, you know, I like the show or whatever. So um, if somebody's going to go out their way to call you a prick, then, you know, just ignore them. I think I'm not really in situations where that's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm at the David Lloyd in the morning. I'm doing football runs and gymnastic runs after school. And I'm not really out at the weekends, you know, if I'm out, it'll be just in my local village or round to somebody's for dinner. So, unless it's my mates calling me a prick, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now you're doing the presenting. A wee bit, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. not as easy as it looks, is it? It's a tough gig. I mean, I think uh, it's been a very steep learning curve. The, the, the Friday night games that Leanne and I do, uh, live games are very unpredictable, especially with the time constraints that we've got on a Friday night. 
at the end of the show, we might only have four minutes to wrap it, but we've got to get in an interview, a league table, and maybe some VTs. So the constant information in your ear, the talkback, to to do that is quite intense whilst trying to host the show at the same time. I had a wee go at Jonathan's gig when he was off one weekend, I think it was at his sister's 40th, and I kind of hosted the sports scene in the studio. It was more comfortable because there's nothing there that's going to go wrong out with your... You know, it's all quite controlled. Plus, you'd auto queue. Right. You've no auto queue, obviously, in a, a live game. So, or we don't. Um, so, what one do you prefer? I enjoy them both. I mean, I, I think we're still making errors. Leanne and I would openly admit that. But you know, you're not going to just turn up and be a polished presenter straight away. I think Gary Lineker, when he started, you know, was not brilliant at it, and he's got better and better. Even Jonathan, I think, when Jonathan started uh, presenting sports scene about five years ago. If you look at his shows then to his shows now, he's become a very competent presenter. Um, back then, you know, he was, he was learning. Up he was, no, he was learning. No, I'm he was learning. So he's now done, you know, hundreds of shows. Anything you do and you do more, you'll get better at. And it's just learning to deal with the talk back and remaining calm when you're shitting yourself. That's the kind of key, I think. Uh-huh. Okay, right. The main career, the old Fitmore. Uh, started professional <clears throat> career at Dundee United. Yeah. How did Boyfe Paisley end up in the best city in Scotland? do you know what it's improved a lot since I first went there you know the work that's been done in the city now uh, has definitely improved it when I first went you know they didn't even have the overgate when I first went I don't know that wellgate wellgate was a scary place you weren't allowed to go in there without your mum the wellgate man we had the wellgate that was it anyway so uh, I was was kind of scouted by Dundee United when I was about 13 on an S form uh, schoolboy form Graham Liveston, who was the kind of coach down in the West. He's a legend. Picked, didn't you know, didn't oh, he? The amount of players he took through, mm-hmm. the system was incredible. He had got myself involved with the training. We trained, we trained once a night, or once a night, once a week up at Helenville, up beside Parkhead, there's an astro pitch. Right. Um, we trained there once a week. We played in, in the weekend, but with a very strong team, uh, and we were quite successful. We won the league, and then as we got older and older together, I think we won the BP Youth Cup. Um, and with a strong side, you know, people like, uh, you know, Craig Easton, Jim Patterson, who I saw actually managing East Cobride. Uh-huh, Jim Patterson, that's like right. Pat, and last year. Pat Dog, uh, Paul Gallagher, and goals. Um, there'll be others I've forgotten to mention, but with a strong side. So that's how it happened. And very quickly before I knew it, I was kind of leaving school and, and going up to live in Dundee. I was in Diggs up in the Hilltown. Oh, oh, aye, oh, aye. Right, in the deep end, mate. Oh, aye, straight in. Um, but it was good, it was brilliant. You know, um, apart from like, I can remember one instance, and I was sharing a room with a, a guy called Ian Mocklin, and um, we'd been out on the piss, and the, the deal was when we came back to the digs, there was one key, he'd the key, and you know we went in, uh, and it must have been two or three in the morning, and he'd come back separately from me. I don't know why, buggered off. And I'm coming back, but I know I can't ring the doorbell because the dig woman's asleep. <laughs> so I'm out the back chucking stones up, and he's not answering. This, well, there were stones, and we didn't have mobiles and all that then. So I've walked like to, virtually to Brody Ferry to another dig house that I knew to try and wake somebody up to see if I can get into sleep. <laughs> and none of them were waking up. <laughs> so I ended up walking from like almost the ferry back to the hill town, uh, and I've eventually had to ring the bell. But at this point, it's about six in the morning. The dig lady went off her head. What age were you? Like 17. Do you know her? Aye. So, aye. Uh, but Diggs, you know, it was good. I, I quickly moved from my 70 quid a week onto a slightly better contract. 
uh, and managed to get a flat. It was actually Tommy McLean had said to to me and a couple of the other guys, I want you out of digs, I want you to learn how to be a man, uh, go and get an apartment. And we got a, a flat right next to Tanadice actually. Um, which it was it was good and I cannot believe he called it an apartment. No, no. You do not get apartments no. in Dundee as a flat. It was a flat. It's a tenement. Aye. Right? So the two guys I lived with Who guy, was that? Stephen Fallon and Chris Devine. They never went on to, to be footballers, but they're still mates and uh like oh, it was carnage. You know, it was absolutely crazy. But at that point in time my wife, just now, Joanne, had left uh, school and she could have gone to Edinburgh or Glasgow or whatever to study, but she chose Dundee, so she was in halls in Dundee. So we would meet up and stuff, and uh, again, I got an improved contract, and I said to them, "Look, I'm bidding you to. I'm going to get an apartment. <laughs> I'm going to get an apartment with Joanne, which we did. We got a lovely place just out in Perth Road. Um, oh, that never told. I down that neck of the woods was nice, uh, and then obviously moved in together there. Brilliant. Uh, first team dressing room at United. How was it going? Because it was older players there. As you uh, mentioned, Jim McAnally, yeah. Davy Bowman, Savage. Well, your gaffer, yeah. To be fair, he was one of the nicer guys, but this is guys that were brought up. And even when I was at that stage, it's uh, it's not how it is now. You know that. Mm. You know, you like seen that when you were younger. We were the we were the uh, cleaners. We were the kit men. There was no kit man at Dundee United, so like you were in basically eight in the morning till uh, five at night. You'd have a double session, but you'd have to have everybody's kit done. You'd be sweeping floors, cleaning, you know, grout off a tile with a toothbrush. And that was just the way it had always been at Dundee United. And it's a lot of clubs. So you, it was a good learning process, to be fair. But the guys in the changing room, like folk like Dave Bowman were savage. Like, just the things he did to you. As in slaughtering you? Like... I slaughtering you. But there, to be fair, there were a lot of help as well. Like, Morris Malpass was a massive help to me. What a player, is really. Oh, my God. What a player. Um... Just on the training pitch, if I was going up training with the first team, which started to happen more and more regularly, made my debut when I was 17, Mo in training would be extra tough on me, rat the life out of me. You know, if I'm trying to hold the ball up, it'd be fucking all over me, ratting me. But then he would be like, you know, why are you standing with your back square on? He says, hold me here and stand side on and take the ball with your right foot. Then there's a yard between you and me. And I'm like, ah, oh, that makes a bit of sense, Mo. Mm. You know, see, so he would coach me during training sessions endlessly. And I had phenomenal coaches at that time. I had, you know, f- from when I went up, Gordon Wallace and Jockey Scott was there. Um, Mo, Heggie, Terry Butcher came for a year and a half. I that, actually. Huh? Um, Alex Smith, Luggy, uh, John Blackley. You know, I've probably missed a few there, but I had a, an awful lot of top, top coaches spent a very long time uh, in afternoon sessions trying to find me a first touch. Were you just a lanky streak of piss? Sorry? Were you just a lanky streak of piss? I was. I mean, I, I was raw raw as fuck. I mean, I, I, I had some qualities. I was very unpredictable. I would do something amazing and I would never know how I did it and then I'd do something really, <laughs> really... Then I'd do something really, really bad. Um, but I suppose I was unpredictable. I think I got into the first team quite quickly because I was tall. Believe it or not, I was reasonably quick when I was young. And I was very two-footed, so I could be, you know, a menace. Uh, I used to run the channel all the time, which I stopped doing probably in Rubbish running the channel, Aye, I forget that. Uh-huh. Um, we'll leave that to other people. But yeah, I mean, I had a great upbringing at Dundee United the, in, in terms of the coaches that I had. They really were phenomenal in helping me and they put in a lot of hours to develop me as a player, so I, I owe Dundee United an awful lot. But we have got a theory in it. You were only putting the first team dressing to make it a wee bit better looking. 
It was an ugly changing room. It was an ugly changing room. Aye. Well, Big Elvis was in there. That's oh, what you know. Big, no, Elvis, big, Elvis, uh, big Elvis thinks he's a looker. To he's be got fair. a bit of Elvis though. Aye, he does. He does. Uh-huh. He dresses well. I like the big man. Uh, Owen Coyle was in my changing room who went on to be my manager. I actually did Owen's boots as well. Right. What kind of guy was he? Great guy. Funny guy. Just wanted to play two touch in the gym non-stop. Uh-huh. It's just like, never stopped. Full of energy. Banter. Um, I've got on to him later on as a manager, but um, I can remember him as a player, just very, very, you know, bubbly. Yeah, what about the culture differences? So we talked about your first dressing room at Dundee United compared to your, oh. your last dressing room at St. Lynn. Paul McGowan would have fitted in that Dundee United dressing room. The, the dog? It's an ugly Aye. dressing room. Oh, come on. In. Come on, that's outrageous. <laughs> He's going to um, do me in. Paul, uh, Paul was a good lad, but no, the, the changing rooms, it, there was no mobile phones, no social media. You know, it was just, you, you actually had to talk to folk yeah. and create conversation, which is a dying art. Uh, aye, there was, a, there was a lot of banter, but it's different banter. Laterally, when I was 36, 37 in the St. Mirren changing room, the guys in the team, like we Lewis Morgan or we Cammy McPherson that's doing well just now, or even slightly older ones like Jason Naismith and Sean Kelly, um, who are doing well in, in, in the Premiership, They'd be laughing at things that I weren't finding all that funny anymore. <laughs> um, they're twenty years older than them, and it's they're always showing me videos on their phone of things I really didn't want to see. So I'm like, ah, do you know what? That's when you know. Uh-huh, I don't want to see to that. <laughs> uh, right, Jim McLean was the chairman when you were at Tannadice, the legend. Tommy was the first team manager. What was that dynamic like with Jim getting involved? I never really saw much of that, to be honest with you. Jim, uh, Jim came to my house in Houston in Renfrewshire to to sign me on an S form when I was 13. No, he didn't. Yeah, he and he was the manager the United yeah, the time. He came all the way down um, to make sure I signed because there'd been interest at that time. I think if you signed an S form, it gave you first dibs when you left school on the player. So he came down with Livy. I, Graham Livingston, came down to my house. That's a wee claim to fame. But you never really saw too much of him at the <coughs> at Tannadice. Tommy, Tommy again, was quite... Demanding. Very demanding and, you know... He, a lot of them lost their temper a lot of the time. I think that was the way it was then. You know, nowadays you don't see it as often and nowadays to motivate players, you do it differently than you did then. It was mostly just shouting at people, uh, which has an effect on some people. It didn't have an effect on me. So getting a ball, I, can, I, I would be like, oh, really? Well, fuck off then. Mm. You know, it didn't make me want to do any better. Uh, but with quite a lot of those managers at Dundee United, Luggy when he came, I think the pressure was on Luggy a wee bit as well, coming to Dundee United, obviously having been in a, a you know, a, a legend, a, legend mm. a, a huge legend to come and be successful as a manager. Um, but yeah, uh, they were all good coaches, but back then there was no, certainly was no molly cuddling of players anyway. Did you see kids get hindered because of the way they were treated like that? Did Not then, see? no, but yeah. I think if you were to go back now and stick some of the kids in, the changing room that I grew up in for my first two or three years trying to develop as a, as a YTS or as a player, the struggle um, without a shadow of a doubt. It's just different times, you know. I don't, there wasn't as much emphasis on, uh, I was going to say man management, but like managing individuals and everybody was kind of treated the same. same yeah. uh-huh. Whereas I think, you, you know, nowadays you've got, to, you've got to look at each and every player and know what ticks their box and I think that's what makes good managers right okay uh, Tommy <coughs> went you say Paul Sturrock Alex Smith uh, were they again similar type of personalities to Tommy McLean Alex was slightly uh, Luggy 
um, you could see how much it meant to him. His assistant Sloop again was quite. Who's Sloop? Uh, John Blackley, right? Hibs legend. Um, was a yeah, they could shout, um, but Alex Smith was slightly less of that mould. I'd had Alex, uh, the Scotland Under 21s, I had a really good relationship with him. So when he came to be the manager of the club, I was buzzing. Mm. Um, and it was under Alex, actually, to get I get called up for for Scotland for my first cap. So, you know, I, I would say out of all the managers that I had at that time, I played my best football under, under Alex, which kind of makes me, you know, when I played my best football, generally it was with when... I knew the manager liked me when I knew I had a connection with the manager when the manager was making me feel good uh, and I think Alec comes under that category uh, what, See at United what stage did you did you think I'm, I'm flying here? That season that season I knew <clears throat> I was scoring goals but I was scoring goals in bigger games I scored a couple of eye bricks against strangers um, I was into double figures for the season and I had, I had a Scotland call up How was that brilliant? Oh, it was amazing I thought it was a wind up I thought it was, I couldn't believe it. Who phoned you up, the manager? Do you know, the first person that phoned me was a press guy. They'd obviously got it broken before the manager had told me. And I was like, what? You must be joking, but... Is it John Byrne? <laughs> <laughs> no, it certainly wasn't. But uh, Again, it, it was just a bit surreal. Um, and my first game was against France. We got pumped 5-0, we got pumped. Um, but that was like Henri, wow. Desai, Zidane... All these boys were playing. We took an absolute battering. See, when you're flying like that in United, then you go and play that level of position. Is it maybe a wee kick up ass? Because you're flying, so you're on a high. And then I, you, is it a wee wake up call? I was just buzzing to have got a cap. I'd never expected to get a, a Scotland call up, even though I'd represented Scotland from age 15 through to under 21s. It's something I don't think you really ever think is going to happen. Well, I yeah. certainly didn't. And that happened to me a lot of times in my career. Things happened, and I was like, I'm in the wrong movie here. How's this happened to me? Really? What, because you didn't uh, think your ability was good enough to merit it? I, I maybe didn't have that self-confidence, but I certainly never... Uh, you know, there was lots of occasions where I was pinching myself during my career. Tons. Oh, tons. Tons. Like, every club I went to, something monumental happened, and and I'm like... Pfft. I've been very lucky, and I'm very um, fortunate to have had the career I had, and very grateful, you know, that so many cool things happened in my time at each club so yeah. Um, yeah fortunate right you heard about the uh, the Scotland call it fair reporter when did you first hear that Rangers wanted you I knew early doors to be fair Big Eck had uh, and you know I'll always love Big Eck for having taken me to Rangers to give me the opportunity to play at a club like that he took a gamble on me and took me and I'm still in contact with him I text, I text him all the time and you know we have a bit of a laugh uh, but he I'd known I was going to Rangers pretty much in October. The problem was, Dundee United, I hadn't said to them, they were offering me a new contract, and <clears throat> I hadn't just said to them, because I didn't know the protocol, look, I'm going to Rangers, I don't think I could say that. So I, I was just saying, look, I'm not sure what my future holds, um, you know, and delaying contracts that they were offering me, but they were going into the press saying, oh, we've had offered Stephen Thompson the best contract that's ever been offered to a Dundee United player. So I'm coming out on the pitch, and the United fans are giving me all sorts of dogs abuse. Oh, no. Yeah, money grabbing bastard, no worse. Fuck's sake. But you know, like, you know, I think if you put any sane minded person in a position with the opportunity to go to a bigger club for about 10 times their wage, they're not going to say no. So. Uh, see that feeling when you know you're getting 10 times your wage and drive into it? Is it, is it the best feeling, huh? Well, it's, it's certainly a, a nice feeling, yeah. Um, I think 
not just that. I mean, I think at Dundee United, as I mentioned, the the club was quite old school. They didn't have a training ground. I was going from a place where we used to t take the the uh, the goals in the minibus to drive to wherever it was, you know, uh, to train, put them up, take them away again. You know, training pitches might not have been ideal. We're kind of all around the place training to walking into Murray Park and basically going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, it was, it's just like, I get, so I'm in like, again, I'm like in the wrong movie. I mean, I'm taken into the changing room or the, in Murray Park and here's your locker, wee Jimmy Bell, he's an absolute ledge. Here's your locker, so I'm, Ronald De Boer's there, Peter Lovinkranz is there. I've just sat down with that. What the fuck's going on here, man? Wow. Like, I couldn't believe it. It was just ridiculous. Um, and right throughout my three years, that I spent at Rangers, um, it happened. The whole thing just went like that, and right throughout, it, I was I was continually going, "Oh, what is happening here?" Well, every day would you be in at training thinking I'm not good enough? Not every day. No, no, not not thinking I'm not good enough. I'm just thinking like if we won something or if I scored a goal in a, a certain situation, or the whole thing was just incredible. Like going from the kind of modest upbringing at Dundee United into this like unbelievable luxury where people do everything for you is incredible and like I had to learn quick though because I arrived uh, right after the start of January and I scored my debut against Dundee um, before that match <laughs> that was a great story <laughs> I, I'm in the changing room and I've gone through to the toilets for a, for a Charlie Mulgrew and the, the changing room next to me and the toilet next to me I've just heard, you know when you hear the flint and a lighter going? Uh -huh. I've heard that and then I've, I've heard uh, <laughs> this noise. It's like, <laughs> and I've just thought, <laughs> I'm sitting with this and I can smell smoke. <laughs> and I just wanted to be able to tell somebody what was going on. Because <laughs> this, this is my debut. You know, I'd only trained with the guys once. So I'm, I'm trying to process that a guy's just lit a fag. In the, in the Ibrox uh, toilet. So I've come out after I'd finished my Charlie, threw into the changing room. I think I've said to. Let's not say that you were taking Charlie in the dress. No! <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, so I'd come through, I think I'd said to me, Shug or somebody, Shug, you're not going to believe what's just happened. I was in the toilet, and the whole changing room's thinking of smoke, by the way. Big Eck knows this is happening. I was in the toilet, and somebody's had a fag in the toilet. And like, I think we shuggies started pissing himself. So, right, we cloudy. So, he used to get a fag right and he'd snap it about that much above the filter and he'd light it and he'd just go. Oh, Taking hundreds of smoke, chuck it down the bog, flush it. And that was him ready for the game. Can you do that? was his, that was his pre match wow. before every game, getting ready for the game. So, and I, I was just like, you know, I hadn't seen anything like that. And I suppose Big Egg must have smelt it, but what have you got to say? Wow. Claudio, going to just not bother with the fag today, mate. How good? So you went there as a striker and Claudio, Claudio Canidia was there. Listen, I had to learn so quickly. De Boer, Avaladze, Mikey Moles, um, Peter, Neil McCann, the forward players were immense. Canidia, uh, so you can understand why I felt a wee bit out of my depth at first. To be fair, the likes of Fergie and all the Scottish boys and Oz and all them, they helped me integrate. Uh, Quickly, but they slaughtered me a lot. Who slaughtered you the most? Famously? Scottish boys. No, no, probably. Uh, try to think. Probably a lot of them. Like that. Like, fuck it. We went in a, straight away. We went on a trip to Dubai. Uh, virtually the day after my debut, when I'd scored for a midweek 
uh, midweek, mid-season training camp, and we're in Dubai, and it was virtually my second training session. Jan Vouters is taking a passenger. Now, Jan's, like, he's a technician, this guy. Top, top coach. But the standards from where I was at Dundee United had gone from kind of there to there. But I think what I noticed a lot throughout my career was when you're training with better players, um, their expectation levels and their demands and their standards are higher anyway. So collectively, the standards are higher, but they demand more of themselves than everybody else. You know, they, they're used to having a high standard, so you can't yeah. really drop it. Whereas, you know, playing with players at a lower level, they might not give a fuck about the standard too much. So anyway, Jan's, I, I don't know how I've ended up at the front of this drill. <laughs> and the drill was at first, left-footed pass, short, back, and a long pass. And I've come round, it's rotated round, and it's me that's at the front when Jan decides to change it. <laughs> and now you have to fucking hit a 40-yard <laughs> Zinger Tower oh, burger with extra Nando's sauce, <laughs> like that, off the ground <laughs> to the guy that's up there. So I, my, I can honestly, my arsehole was going like a rabbit's nose. <laughs> oh, there is nothing worse, man. Uh, See, when you're first and you have to zing it, it's terrible, isn't it? Horrific. And so I've gone up, stepped up, duck hooked this fucking <laughs> cement away around like that. Right? And like the, all the Scottish boys are pissing themselves. Neil McCann actually, after that, christened me Alibaba because he said that my toes started turning up the way I couldn't kick a ball properly. Quaver toe. It's a wee dick. Uh, so, aye, so I've then, I could just hear behind me, like a pure, mm. like, I'm like, oh no, because all the Scottish boys were laughing, but somebody behind me wasn't happy, I hadn't checked to see what it was. Loaded up the second one. Now I'm like, oh, fuck. No, I'm sweating like <laughs> Boydy in a sauna here. <laughs> Next one, wow, another banana. Like, I'm like, oh, no. so behind me, I've heard this. What the fuck is this? Ronald DeBoer, furious, he's shouting at Jan, the coach. Like, this is my second session. What oh, the fuck is no. this? As if to say, you know, what why have they signed this fucking clown? What the fuck is this? I'm like, oh, wait, if you ever wanted to feel that size, I'm like, oh my God. And of course, Oz and all the Scottish boys, Fergie, they're, they're crying laughing because I'm now on my third fucking go at this. Right, then. My safety sammed it. The world's biggest clip up near the, up to the, joined in the back of the queue. That was just a wee example of how quickly I had to learn. I had to, I had to get better quickly. And do you know what? Because we were doing so much passing drills, because I was training them, with players that were so better than me, uh, so much better than me, I, I did develop quickly and I did my technique improved and I learned so much from these guys. That's an amazing story, man. It's a good story. Yeah, it's not a great a story. What about, um, did any of them, like any of the forward players, so can you Jim Moles, De Boer, did any of them ever pull you aside? Obviously, you're still a young player. They gave me a lot of advice. I mean, that was Maybe a good thing about that. Ronald used to speak to me a lot. Obviously, I was changing next to him. Um, what the fuck has he told you all about? That? Uh, you're, exactly. You're better <laughs> in the accent than me. Um, yeah, but Ronald also used to get me into trouble a lot. Like I used to like making noises, so I'd be sitting because he was in the changing room next. Uh, changing, like the, we had those lockers. Yeah, he was like, but you couldn't. The lockers doors came like that, so you couldn't actually see Ronald there. And I'd be like out of nowhere and make like a really loud noise, and I could just see him. He's obviously shit himself, <laughs> and then he'd put his head in the locker. What's fucking wrong with you? Pure raging again. I'm like, calm down. So anyway, uh, aye, but he used to help me a lot, uh, just with things like holding the ball up. See when you pinged the ball at Ronald, it wouldn't matter what foot it was, he would take his touch from the one side of the, his body to the other uh, and it would just like roll half a yard onto his left foot. So no matter how you hit it, always across his body onto his left. Whereas I'd be taking balls in on my right and keeping them on my right with my first touch, mm. giving the defender half a sniff to take it away. 
he would just take it across his body so the defender can't get it left or right through so he would tell me wee things like that he used yeah. to make me do a thing he used to make me whenever I was playing with him he says whenever the ball goes out wide <clears throat> I want you to run past the front post Right, yeah. so I'd be running past the front post in every game. Wasn't scoring any fucking goals. <laughs> right, I'm taking two fucking defenders. <laughs> I'm taking two defenders. I'll be past the front post. Ronald would be free in the middle of the box. Header. Cheers, Tomo. Great run, can you prick? decoy run, mate. Oh, I listen. Bam's doing whatever he told me. Uh -huh. Of course I was. Uh, you remember the Barry Ferguson, didn't you? Fergie, yep. Must have had some intense conversations about football, man. Barry could be a really serious guy. He's quite a deep thinker. He could also be. Silly, we enjoyed a lot of similar things. Um, we got on really well. I'd known Barry since we were kids anyway. So coming to Rangers, he helped me integrate, if you like. Enjoyed wine, like I did. Um, did so, you have a few glasses the night before the game then? No, never yeah, the night before, yeah. no. I mean, there was a, don't get me wrong, there was a big drinking culture at the club when I was there. Um, yeah, Craig Moore said that. He said <coughs> that they liked there was. Shand, uh -huh. Which was fine because, you know, that, su you that suited me. Well, I just come from Dundee United as well. We're with a reasonable squad for that as well. So, of course, I get involved. But um, Fergie was, you know, he was a good roommate. Like, I had one thing always sticks in my mind. It makes me laugh. Uh, we were away with Scotland, actually, and we were rooming. We were at San Siro. We beaten it. Italy beat us 2-0. I think Pirlo scored free kick. Fergie was brilliant that night. Right. I think it was Walter Smith's squad Walter it was because Ali McCoy <coughs> told the story about that Walter never uh, picked yeah. me for Scotland I was in like four of his squads but he never gave me a cap just wee Bertie my wee pal Bertie <laughs> give me all the caps Bertie's everyone's pal so like you oh. Kevin Kyle he's all oh, Bertie oh I love Bertie uh, anyway so there's, there was only one player left out couldn't get on the bench it was me I was in the stand so I was I was raging and heartbroken because it's a San Siro yeah. we get back into the hotel room and we'd I've got a couple of bottles of wine up to the room and a glass of wine each. I was saying, oh, fuck, you can tell I'm pure raging. So if you were like a good roommate, you'd have gone, oh, don't worry, big man, you know, a wee bit of something to encourage me. There again, anyway, bottles How fucking good was that tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? Is that what you're going to say? You're uh, a big inspiration. I was shit. like, oh, don't worry, big man. You know, you'll get, you won't make it captain the next game. That's brilliant, isn't it? Anyway, no, but I got on well with Barry. And do you know what? See that season, uh, my first season I joined in January, that six months. Oh, I'm not sure I've seen a player play better. I'm just going to say, would you put Ferguson up there with your De Boers, Canegias, that, Moles? That, uh, that six months, uh, you'll struggle to see... Uh, better performances he, he, he was just running things from the middle apart scoring goals never giving the ball away he's definitely in the top five players I've ever played with yeah. he was a phenomenal footballer um, Barry Ferguson he truly was just wants a ball at the time didn't he aye and he demanded it but it was also he could be a bit of a knob at times as well <laughs> you know like be playing in the game and he might pass to you and it might you know if his pass which didn't happen often wasn't he right to you and it was about a yard away excuse me he'd be like it's your fucking bad pass <laughs> and all the crowd it's like oh Tom's in you you know I'm like raging oh, he brilliant. did that the odd time but anyway oh, no he was phenomenal uh -huh, what a player was there anyone that was uh, maybe better than what you thought they were only when you started playing them you realised how good they were Big Shrek was a good player to be honest and he Who's didn't that? get Bob, Bob him on. and he didn't what get he didn't probably get a lot of see, see for passing a football again I don't know if I've played with many better passers of a ball his lack of mobility maybe cost him sustaining a 
you know, a top level career if you like. But um Bob all of the young Scottish boys, you know, Alec uh was really good for young players. Uh-huh. He gave a lot of young players their opportunities, you know, more Ross, uh well me I didn't come through the ranks, but we Shuggy and Alan Hutton. Griggsy would have been in amongst all that. <clears throat> There'll be others. And he, when he signed the players, he signed a lot of Scottish players as well. Me and Gav and uh, we Burke, or we Burke came through the ranks. Uh, but he was very good at giving young Scottish players an opportunity. And I think that maybe gets overlooked because when you look now at a Rangers team, certainly in recent history, there's not been many. Well, mm. There's been very few. See, see, when you're going for a league at Rangers, you've obviously came for Dundee United. How tense is the atmosphere every day? I didn't feel it I didn't feel there's huge pressure as I said there was always demands the demands were higher than anything I'd ever seen for standards Um, no because you know like we had that many top top players that you just always felt it was going to be okay Mm. I mean you look at that squad you had we uh, Arteta you had well Fernando you had Oz Amoruso Newman all the forward players that I'd mentioned Fergie as well um, we had an incredible squad. Mm. Uh, so yeah. all these guys had been over the course and seen it. You know, people like Ronald Dubois, they knew what was needed to get us over the line. They never thought it was going to be as close as it, as it ended up being. Yeah. Could Big X, even though they're all big names, would Big X still go through then? Or was he maybe a bit more lenient to the bigger I players? think he's probably a bit more lenient. Aye, for instance, letting Claudio have fags in the changing. <laughs> I knew Borgaffer. <laughs> uh, but... I think he was probably a wee bit more lenient, but then again, that that's managing people and yeah. egos. And you know, can you really tear a strip off Ronald De for a bad pass or, or things like that? But no, I mean it was incredible. And then leading up to the the last of the season, I managed to get a goal uh, in the in the Dunfermline game. We won. Obviously, Celtic only managed four at Kelly, and I'll never forget just the euphoria of. You know, I've been lucky enough to feel it a few times on a pitch of of winning something, but just the the incredible high of knowing that you'd been involved in a team that had won a league. Uh, it was unbelievable. What wasn't unbelievable was the three day bender straight after it, <laughs> leading into You've the Scot- this. Ah, were you involved? Where were you? Well, I'm just, this is all new to me, so I'm just I'm just on the coattails of the boys that are out, and I'm going right. Let's go for it. So we were just, it was epic. It was epic, but we we had been given the Wednesday off. We'd been on it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I'm sure the rest of the guys have told you the details of the things. So Thursday we came in, having not trained since we won. Or I think we did maybe a wee something light on the Tuesday. I came in, I was an absolute bag of washing. <laughs> like really bad. Uh-huh. Like I was still seriously dehydrated. Like and still on a ghost chain with every sleep I was having. <laughs> so it's like it was a tough week. And anyway, we came into the Saturday <clears throat> and uh on especially like I remember coming in the Thursday and the likes of Stefan Kloss and a few of the other kind of foreign players that hadn't been out bevying with us, they were not happy. Stefan was you Did know he pull, pull his aye, and he could be quite serious at times, you know. So I was just kinda of staying out his way. You know, I think he he, he wasn't happy, mm-hmm. put it that way. And do you know what? He'd every right to be not happy because we're going to try and win a treble. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. It's a Scottish Cup final, and a good seven or eight of us, we had treated it with contempt, but I didn't know any different. So I'm just jumping on with the rest of them. And, and you know, well, if Barry's there, I'm all right, because it's, <laughs> it's Barry. <laughs> who, see, on the days, who would have been, who'd have been the best laugh in a, in a boozer? They were well, all a good laugh. Shrek was funny. They were all, everybody was funny. We had a really good changing room, to be fair. But we were into the Saturday in the cup final, and um, it was the hottest day ever. Like, the hottest day ever. And the Dundee were brilliant that day. Mm. They're really, they're a strong team. Really good team. But I was on the bench, and... I'm sure it's about 60 minutes. I came on. I won the free kick for uh, for Big Ammo's goal. Shortly after that, I think we'd used all our subs, maybe 10, 15 minutes to go. And the mouse, Neil McCann, he'd hurt his foot. So there's no subs. And he's playing left mid, obviously. So Big X shouts on to the mouse. You go up front. Tom, will you go left mid? Oh, and see at that time I'm sure they brought on me Nacho Novo at right mid <laughs> for Dundee now to tell you that was the hard and I'm, I've been serious that was the hardest 15 minutes of my life because I knew what was at stake mm. I hadn't really played left mid and I was having to track somebody and I couldn't breathe I simply couldn't breathe I took cramp I was only in the pitch 30 minutes and I took cramp <laughs> and it was so hot like see when the final whistle went I remember just lying on my back and I wasn't celebrating. I was just like, thank God that's over. Could you still taste the blue WKDs? I don't even know what I was tasting. <laughs> Vomit. But I was just so, I was so pleased that the game had finished because Dundee were piling pressure on us. And, you know, I think if we had fucked it given what we'd done the Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, how unprofessional we were, then it wouldn't have been a great story. But thankfully, Big Ammo popped up with and Heather. Was it straight back out again? Oh aye, I think probably for another couple of days oh, without I without even thinking about it. Anyway, aye, mental times. Great times. Uh, right, night <laughs> suit, speaking of night suit, everyone that we've interviewed former teammates have said you're brilliant on a night. Did you I, used to love it? Huh? Aye. I mean I've got a habit of being very silly even when I'm not drinking. So when I drink 
the silliness levels go up. So there's, you know, thankfully now I'm in my 40s, I've managed to kind of curtail it and I've been working on that for a decade of trying to just not be quite as silly. I'm getting there. What about the best team for nights that you've had? They were all good. They were all phenomenal. I mean, like, <clears throat> Dundee United would be Charlie Miller. How is Char Charlie's a man, isn't he? Charlie's some boy. <laughs> he really is. Uh, we would we'd have a wee Tuesday club at the United. Charlie would be involved in. Uh, it was magnificent. We um, At Rangers, you know all about the squads. I didn't, obviously, at Cardiff. Uh, with a great nothing. squad Kev was brilliant Kev was wild didn't he he was my very first I made my debut for Cardiff and I managed to score a double ironically against Burnley and we went straight out <clears throat> ended up in this nightclub and the guys from Dirty Sanchez were there that so, was on it was on MTV in that uh, one I remember and Pritchard who I'm still, yeah, it, uh, I'm still in touch with him just oh, yeah. he's a great, oh, he's a great boy uh, they'd obviously been in the same nightclub and they had a table so I get brought over oh, this is the big guy that scored the double today in his debut big Tom so they're all there and I've thought, I'm thinking, I need to show these guys, like, you know, because they're all mental. So I've just picked up a pint and fucked it off my head. <laughs> it's smashed everywhere. <laughs> and then I've jumped up on top of the table and they're all like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I ended up drinking with them all weekend. It was very, very, very messy. Um, uh, but then I would still be in touch, like I'd meet Pritchard out and we'd, we'd go out and drink to... The small hours. He had um, a long blonde hair, didn't he? Ah, he did. Hair, he's now, he's now uh, a vegan and a very he? healthy guy, and he does triathlons, very healthy and all that. So he's completely turned that side of his life around. But aye, we had mental times. At every club I've been at, you guitar know. Guitar as well? Loads of guitar. I, well, Bob Malcolm you know, smashed one of my guitars. It's a disgrace. How's it, what happened there? <laughs> disgrace. So disrespectful. Um, <laughs> we'd been in Liverpool. We'd actually paid for our own private jet to take us to Liverpool on a Rangers night out. It was 500 quid ahead, and we'd flown down straight after the game into the airport in Liverpool, bus to the hotel, night out, straight up back on it. And in the morning in the hotel, um, I think some I, I, somebody gets sent, I'd paid for a guitar, somebody gets sent to get it from the hotel and come back with a guitar, 200 odd quid. So I just sat and played for the boys for a good couple of hours with a good sing song. Then we were back in a private jet, back up to Glasgow. And of course we kicked on out, but I've I've got a guitar with me, so I'm walking about with a guitar, uh, and we're getting out of a taxi in Shawlands, and for some reason I was like, just hold that, Bob, will you? And I'm trying to get out of the taxi, and Bob goes, I know, bother, walks out with it, and there's no cover on it or anything. It's still broad daylight. It's like six. We'd flown up in the afternoon. People are coming back from working things. And Bob's just picked the guitar up, lamppost, and going, <laughs> wrapped it around the lamp, the lamppost. I'm like, Bob, come What's on, man. Guy? What sort of behaviour is that? <laughs> so that was that guitar wrecked. But I had so many amazing nights out over my career. I struggle to remember the best stories. Other people will probably give you better stories than I can give you. Tremendous. Uh, right, some big names came at the Rangers 2003, 2004, <coughs> sorry. De Boer, Frank, oh, Emerson, wow, Henenberg, they're legends, aren't they? Uh, why did the signings not work? <laughs> We'd lost some big players. Barry, Clint. Barry, uh, did Arteta go? Mm. I think he might have. Um, there was another couple left. Anyway, um, Frank was coming to the end of his career. You know, incredible career, but coming towards the end of it. Emerson, safe <laughs> to say he enjoyed the night out. Did he? <laughs> oh, what a guy. Well, aye, but I'm talking about it at the wrong times. Um, and then... How, 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 how wrong? Night before? I'm not sure about night before, but 
maybe Thursday. We knew who went to screw the nut. Uh-huh. It'd be safe to say he didn't. Uh, <laughs> Henning was a lovely guy again, but you know, coming to the end of his career, the mix wasn't right that year for whatever reason. I think Big Alec had to make cuts as well, so we were kind of trimming the squad a bit as well. Uh, but it was not a good season. As Did you believe in Barry Leith? Uh, I knew there had to be interest from clubs for him due to that season he'd had. But were you surprised that he was interested in you? He's all, he'd always been Mr Rangers and he loves the club and you know how much it means to Barry, yeah. uh, you know, the football club itself. So maybe I was a bit surprised to see him go, but you, he was right to go. You can't, you know, whether the timing was right, I don't know, but you can't spend your whole life you know, you, it's such a short career with just one, you know, experience. Mm. He was right to go down and try his luck, you know, probably in the biggest league in the world. And um, just unluckily for him, it didn't work out. He had a really bad knee injury, actually. Smashed his kneecap. Yeah. Did you, did you anticipate he'd come back so soon? Barry? Uh-huh. No, no. Did I mean, you think he was doing? Aye, probably. I can't remember. Um, but he... I expected him to go on to bigger and better things, end mm. up at a bigger club. People say that, they were surprised he went to Blackburn, they thought he could play top four. He done. could have. Yeah? He could have. I, I don't think there's any doubt he could have, but um, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where this is going. Time will move on. 2004-2005, uh, helicopter Sunday season, you came on, <clears throat> scored in a crucial game v Celtic at Ibrox, but you lost, falling five points behind, five games yeah. to go, the jink it was done. Right. Was it said in the dressing room after no, the season? No, it wouldn't done? have been said, no. Uh, but I remember going to Easter Road thinking to myself, right, Celtic, this isn't any disrespect to Motherwell, but Celtic only have to beat Motherwell. If Celtic had won, you know, that was it, curtains. So you're expecting with the players and the team that they had that they would go to Motherwell, especially with what was at stake and win the game. Uh, so it was incredible. I mean, I couldn't believe that history had repeated itself again for us to win a title in the last seconds of a, a league day. Um, Do you remember where you were when it what, came through that Motherwell had scored? I was sitting getting splinters in my ass on the bench. Who <laughs> <laughs> uh, told, told, told you on the bench? Was it Jimmy Bell? I, I can't remember. The, the information got to the bench uh, and I remember like we all started getting mega nervous, you know, and then when it, the final whistle went. The last 10 minutes of that game was played like a friendly because I'm sure Hibs had to get up For Europe, wasn't it? Aye, they needed something. Mm-hmm. So basically it just turned into like a, a game of possession. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just remember running onto the pitch and just everybody was just big hugs, like big Marvin, uh, who was playing without a cruise at that stage. <laughs> I don't know how he did that. It's incredible. <laughs> was he a top man, Marvin Andrew? We've had him on. He's a great guy. guy. He used to say to me. The worst clobber I've ever seen. Horrific clobber. Horrific clobber, but a lovely guy. Um, and you know, he, he used to say, "You've got the you've got the devil in you," because I'd always because I'd always be playing tricks on him and making going up behind him and making noises. There's something wrong with you. You've got the devil in you, But uh, I got on really well with him. He was so hard. Like what up against him in training? Uh, not deliberately, not like a hard man hard, but like physically, it was an incredible specimen, and he just. He was fearless. No uh, wonder why I faced like that. I thought you would be fearless. Well, I, you? I'd played against him <laughs> enough times to know, you know. You could head the ball so far, ah, But it just, it wouldn't matter. Like, normally if I'm going up for a header, I've got my arm up thinking, right, I don't want my face to get hit. And I'll maybe kind of, it just fucking get, it just doesn't matter what it is, my face. I'm just going to head the ball. <laughs> like, you know, he didn't care. Uh-huh. 
but he was a tremendous guy to have in your team because see when a ball gets swung into, the, into your box if you're defending a corner or something oh you just had Marv's and that was it get the fuck out of the way uh, as soon as he shouted that you know just basically get in the brace position <laughs> see winning the league unexpectedly is that better than the first time you did it maybe going to Easter Road thinking I can't remember but again it, you know it's another one of these pinch me moments for me I can't remember my three years at Rangers uh, went by very very quickly and I can't remember too much of it. I was young at the time, you know, talking about a good 15 years ago. But I remember distinctly just going, oh, how, how have I ended up, you know, winning leagues and cups and, um, you know, scoring in old firm games or scoring in Champions League games and having all these incredible experiences that I never, ever thought I would get the opportunity to have. So, I mean, it was an amazing time, uh, my three years at Rangers. We ticked every box that, you know, I wanted to tick. See, on that, Golden set of Rangers games, Golden Champions League. You think you deserve more of a chance? To be fair, you, you look at the competition because after the players that I'd mentioned had left, we signed Dado Perzo. What a player Oof. he was. Again, he, 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 he had no cartilage. The big man could only train like on a Friday. Zero cartilage in his knee, but what a player he was for having no cartilage. Me Nacho came and obviously he was banging the goals in. So it was difficult to get in the first team regularly to start him. Um, I think... I was never consistent enough in my time at Rangers. You know, I would have a good game and then I'd maybe get put in or I might get an injury or I, I, I never strang a proper run together. Uh, and Big uh, came yep. to me came to me like in the August, my contract was up the following summer and he came in the August and he said, look, big man, you know, just letting you know now, we're not going to be giving you an extension to your contract the following summer. So at that point in time, I thought, hey, I need to try and get out in January because we were signing Boydie at that point in time and I thought right, I'm going to try and get out in, in the January window which I eventually managed to do to get down to Cardiff you I ever, wasn't playing well at that point either You ever chat McLeish's door and say I feel like I deserve more of a chance during your time at Rangers? No but I think I was you know when he told me that I hadn't been playing particularly well I'd been getting a wee bit of dogs off the crowd and stuff so I was on a bit of a low anyway mm. so I probably wasn't you know going to go and chap his door uh, but as I said I have zero regrets about my time at Rangers. Only like amazing things happened. And every footballer, your journey comes to an end at a club when you move on. And as you want to find out, like I had some incredible moments at other clubs. Tell you something, you made a couple of great runs past the front post though. <laughs> You're not joking. That's exactly what I did. Ronald got about five hat tricks off of that. Uh, right, Cardiff. Why Cardiff? Well, in the championship, weren't they? They were. Why Cardiff? Because they came in offered the money, offered me a good contract to go for three and a half years and I wanted out. So that's pretty much how it happened. You know, they, um, I didn't, I, I wasn't good enough before I left Rangers to sit and draw up a, a list of clubs. I wasn't like... Was that the only club that came in for you then? I can't remember if there was other clubs floating about. Darren Jackson was my agent at the time. He would know, but um, they came in. I mean, I wasn't good enough to sit and go, right, Darren, have a wee look at uh, who's top of the show. Have a wee look at West Brom for me, will you? Uh, and then, you know, mm. whatever came in, I pretty, pretty much had to maybe take. Uh, but they were matching pretty much my salary and they were, I think, the Rangers get a quarter of a million quid. So everybody was happy. Uh, and off I went, apart from probably my missus because she was six months pregnant uh, with Gracie, our daughter. So when we went down to Cardiff at first, it was a bit of a scramble to get everything uh, going in terms of that. But she was... Yeah, you know, she's brilliant with that. Mm. Never once throughout my career, moving from different club, 
was it any problem, you know, just sailed through it. Was it the Mrs. Addis on Insta as well? She, no, no, I told, I told, no, <laughs> careful. Uh, I told her she had never, no disrespect, she had never heard of you or the show and things. And oh, I said, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I wish I had. She's, she's been sliding into your DMs for Great Britain. Um, <laughs> what a family of Thompsons, are they? Aye, anyway. Aye, aye, aye. So, anyway, uh, she was great in terms of whenever we had to move. Uh, and Dave Jones, manager, what was he like? Oh, uh, good at first. Um, then got a bit sour when he asked me, you know, he said he was putting me on the transfer list. Why? I wasn't scoring enough. But myself and Michael Chopra had a brilliant relationship up front. He would score 20, I'd score seven, I'd set up seven of his. It was working. Mm. So when he came to me and said, I'm putting you in transfer list, you're not scoring enough goals, I was like, well, I've just moved down from fucking Glasgow. My missus has just given birth. I think Joanne was then maybe pregnant again with Struan. Both of my kids were born in Wales. I'm like... He fucking wind me up. I had two, night, two years and a half left my contract. Anyway, that summer we went away and we were at a friend's wedding in Cyprus and I fell off a banana boat sober and it right. was like at 10 in the morning. Uh, maybe I wasn't sober then, but it was like fell off the banana boat, ripped my groin off the bone. I didn't realise that at the time, got back, got a scan. So I couldn't move in the window. I wasn't going to be fit again until October. By the time I got fit, I'd actually get back into the team. But at this point in time, Growler and Big Jimmy Cash in the bank had arrived, so it was difficult to get. Who's that? Uh, Jimmy Fry. Oh, <laughs> uh, Tremendous. Big Jimmy had arrived and, and, and Robbie. Two amazing guys. For the careers that they'd had. Uh, like Norton loves Fuller. I no wonder. He was a funny, funny boy. And the, the very first week that he arrived, he's like, right, who's coming out? He's, you know, like to drink like this. Oh, I fucking come out. So we went out, a good 10 of us, and a big slap up meal and blah 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 and he paid for it straight off the bat you know as his kind of welcome to the boys he was great um, he was a great guy he had one of the best uh, fancy dress outfits I've ever seen it was just, it was just was incredible it? we were in Dublin and um, we were in what street was it Temple Bar we were in like the old Dubliner bar and he was late down it was like a 10 o'clock meet in the pub we'd get the pub open daily obviously and Everybody's in a fancy dress. Where's Robbie? Where's Robbie? Where's Robbie? He'd wanted to make this entrance. So he says, get everybody to text and goes, get everybody to look out the pub. So we've all piled out the pub and he's coming right down the middle of the, the road. I don't know, like he's got roller skates on. He's got like, I think he's got hot pants on and like luminous 80s uh, gear and then a big wig and he's gone and bought like, remember the huge ghetto blasters? Uh-huh. Big massive ghetto blaster. Obviously, the batteries are in it. He's pumping out like 70s uh, disco music coming down the, the <laughs> oh, roller skating down right into the pub. What a it was what an entrance. What a guy. Oh, he was a great guy, but he he <clears throat> he was struggling at that point in time to get fit and he wasn't the player that he was, which was one of the best of all time. Jimmy still had a wee bit about him. But there's no way Hasselbank would have done something like that. No, to be fair, much? Jimmy turned up in a kilt. He was, he? he was see you, Jimmy. So he had the ginger wig on and all that. Uh, he was, uh, he could have a laugh, Jimmy, to be fair. He, you know, I, I was in contact with him for a wee bit after we left until uh, my brother had come down to watch Burnley versus Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and wanted to go out. So I'd said to Jimmy, I'd message him and says, you know, do you think you could get us this fancy nightclub and near Chelsea do you think you could get us on the VIP list he says yeah yeah I'm going to contact one of the fixers and all this so got all fixed up and me and uh, my brother and my mate and our wives got into this VIP area uh, 
Anyway, we get ejected via the kitchen <laughs> for me scrapping with some guy. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, head first out of the kitchen. And needless to say, I've not been in touch with him <laughs> since to say, can you get me tickets for anything? But uh, I'm, in, I'm on my, I've got my Insta and he likes my pictures, so he can't be too bad. Too much but, by the way, hardest shot in football? Aye, and no backlift either. He could just get that shot off from nowhere. Incredible. Wow. Aye. Tremendous. Aye, another top <clears> player. So many top players who played it. Uh, Arne Ramsey, how good was he as a young kid? He was just a kid, uh, and um, I remember Gavin Ray and Stephen McPhail. Uh, what a player Stephen McPhail was. Uh, oh, McPhail, uh, Gav- oh, what God. a player. Leeds, tremendous. Uh, he's a, t- and a tremendous guy in family. I played in his test. Was it testimony? Oh, did you? Do you remember? Oh, so you did. Uh-huh. I was fucking hopeless. Um, anyway, what do we call it? I remember them saying, Can you get near this boy? Like, because they were obviously against him in the middle of the park and mm. training. I just I cannot. Like, one of these wee guys, Arteta was a bit like that, Barry, maybe to a certain extent, that it was just a move ahead every time. You knew where everybody was round about him. Just had that awareness yeah. that I never had. Um, and always was in space when he received the ball, which all the top players are because mm. their movements are good. Uh, he was phenomenal and he was going on to have an unbelievable career. 400 grand a week, I think he's on just now. So he's doing all right. That was a rumour at Juventus, wasn't Oof, it? Tremendous. Not bad, you'll That's take it. You'll money, take it. <laughs> <laughs> BBC Scotland, not, not quite. Uh, right, 2008, Owen Coyle came into your life. Ah, the mongoose, what a guy. Why the mongoose? Don't know. Uh, <laughs> and it's only me that calls him that, right. so I have no idea. But he was a tremendous guy, and obviously I knew him from having cleaned his boots and being at Dundee United, uh, United with him as a kid. He, in the last kind of day of the transfer window, had said, big man, can you come up to Burnley? I still had a, a year left on my contract and I was going to have to take a wage drop but Dave Jones had kind of made it clear I wasn't going to play even though I, you know, I'd started his first league game of the season Dave Jones me and we Ross McCormick up front we'd actually got a wee partnership going quite well but uh, he was wanting me out anyway Dave Jones if you like and Coyley I just had to speak to him on the phone to know that I wanted to go up there so I went up to Burnley we signed the contract and um I thought, right, this is me getting a step closer to St Mirren, moving up towards the north again from Cardiff. Uh, it's another couple of years, decent money, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a grind because Burnley at that time, I was looking at the league, we were kind of down third bottom when I joined. Small squad, you know, no facilities, no nothing. This is going to be tough. It turned out to be the best year. Just, you would not have believed. And why is that down to oh, his enthusiasm? Coyley and me, Sandy, um, Coyley especially just made you feel 10 feet tall and put so much belief in you I had a, a very good season that season he made everything fun so I've heard people be critical of him say oh, he maybe doesn't do enough shape, shape that, and yeah. all that kind of stuff I think with our squad at that time we had a very small squad and we had a team full of leaders you know people like Stephen Caldwell Clark Carlisle Graham Alexander um, Bobby Blake Wee Blakey um, it, a, a very strong core of guys Michael Duff who who would look after and manage situations on the pitch um, training was at a tempo always at a standard but it was fun mm. and you spent most of your day laughing and you spent yeah. you, you always went into work looking forward to work because yeah. it is work uh-huh. and you went in looking forward to your training Stephen Fletcher told us right when he signed for Burnley the Fletch. he's medical was playing head tennis with Owen Coyle. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me what a player Fletch was, to be fair. Oh, but we, um, that season was incredible and we just kept winning and winning and winning. 
And then obviously the playoff semi-final, I managed to get one of the best goals I've ever scored down at the Majeski against Redden, a volley. And uh, that was us at Wembley. And we were confident going into the game because we'd pumped uh, Sheffield United twice that season already. I think big Craig Beatty was playing for Sheffield United in the final. Um, and we won. Uh, and then, to be fair, that night I think Coyley got offered the Celtic job. So his head was all over the place. So was V Sandys. So like, I'm not going to those bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but got, and actually, weirdly enough, Gary Caldwell and Scott Brown and Big Glenn Lewins and a few other Celtic players had come and they gatecrashed our part. We'd had this big room in a hotel in uh, London. They'd come down to watch Stevie Caldwell, Gary's brother. Right, and, uh, and they came in and had their drink with us in the party, which was good luck. Oh, brilliant. Uh, but no, an amazing year. Probably, you know, as a whole year, my most enjoyable. And, and knowing Coyle, certainly for me, I mean, I just love the guy. Um, a phenomenal person but the lift he gave me that season in terms of confidence no other manager's done what, uh, what's Owen Coyle see when you're on that sort of run and you win games um, is Owen Coyle after games is he jumping about the dressing room or oh he loves it he loves it and he's jumping about training he took part in most of the training sessions still decent he was brilliant he was brilliant he had that wee swivel and shot uh, I, I mean again you know it was. It could be hard when he needed to be hard right. I remember oh, it was a shame for him actually because we'd been pumped off wheels at Molyneux and he came into the changing room and he's going he's going fucking nuts shouting everybody and he's got wallies he's shouting everybody and they fucking went across the and they landed on the floor and you know what I mean when you're sitting going you don't know whether to laugh or not but we Sandy started pushing himself so the boys were gone he just had to he just walked out the changing room he had to just walk out it was brilliant oh, did he get the other boys on uh, Iron Brew? Anyway, we always played on Friday shooting for uh, for Iron Brew to bring the juice and cakes in the next Friday I was an Iron Brew addict to I be fair, fair loved it we've had the one here actually he's, he's so enthusiastic he's a great guy uh-huh. uh, how was the feeling starting at Wembley did you know before the game you were starting uh, he told me I'd obviously started the semi-final and scored in the semi-final so if I hadn't started in the final there'd have been words to be had <laughs> and again it, it, we had He'd created an atmosphere where you're going into a playoff final, probably named the biggest game in the world in terms of financially, going into a playoff final to get to the Premiership. Again, you talk about moments in your career. I'm going, if we win this game, or when it did happen, I'm going to be playing in the Premiership. That doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, like, moments in your career where you're going, this isn't what's happening. Anyway, we won the game. We controlled the game. We Wadey scored a, a fantastic goal. But before the match... I remember distinctly not being nervous and very much in control, but that was his influence on the whole team. I think I remember we're in the changing room before the match, and you know he's kind of getting ready to do his his team talk, and it was very brief. He basically just said, "Because you know you want to make sure that everybody's there's no tension." He kind of went with this. Hey boys, listen in, listen in. How the fuck have we managed this? <laughs> <laughs> so all the boys start cracking up, and then he goes. And obviously this, this, and he used to always say this, don't have any regrets, don't leave anything out in the pitch. You deserve to be here, you deserve to win it. And we went out and we won it. And it's remarkable because you're immediately on to double dough as well. So you're just oh, thinking to yourself. Is it double? Eh? I, well, it was for most of the boys that had in their contract. But we were always going to struggle because the club had put a 15 grand a week or something um, uh, cap on the wages. So I think Fletch was probably on that when he came down. He was a big signing. Um, but you're playing against teams that have you know, far superior uh-huh. budgets than you and it was always going to be a struggle and then Coyley of course got offered the Bolton job and, and he couldn't knock it back having been an ex-Bolton player I wonder whether he regrets that or not I don't know I think he said on here he does Aye, uh-huh. he uh, would that be the best moment in your career? 
that day. Apart from this, winning the cup, this one that that probably is up there. As I mentioned, you know, like winning the yes. league for Rangers in the last game of the season. Um, with Cardiff, we played in an FA Cup final, which was an unbelievable experience. I lost was there. It. Lost it. Were you there? I went down near my mate. Oh, you were Kev got his tickets. Oh, Kev get you in. Um, so, uh, it was an unbelievable experience. But then, you know, I then just playing in the Premiership was incredible. Brian Laws came in when Coyley left. and a bit boring, wasn't he, Brian Laws? He didn't have the authority, yeah. man. Like, we went on a pre-season trip to Portugal. Not pre-season. Mid-season, that season. Probably to try and make sure that we try and galvanise for the second half, try and stay in the Premiership. It was the biggest stag do you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, It was a four-day of, like, monster proportions. Me, Kev McDonald, and, you know, Brian Easton, Ham yeah, Ham yeah. Ham Hamilton captain. We were staying in this really plush apartment block, hotel apartment, and him and I were staying in... Him and I and Kev had an apartment, three-bedroom apartment. We'd been out one of the nights, came back, and uh, just messing about in the living room or whatever and an egg fucks me off the back of the head I'm like okay right so it's going to be like that is it the biggest food fight you've ever seen <laughs> now I mean like it got really out of hand quickly things escalated like a pineapple missed my head by like a quarter of an inch so eggs tomatoes the fridge was emptied because it was fully stocked for us for each apartment woke up in the morning I've come through in the buff into the lounge and I, oh no we are in big fucking trouble. What, place wreck? But I was trying to work it out. There was smashed pictures. There was fucking tables off legs. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. So I'm like, Kev, Easty, get up. So I'm through and they're obviously still out their nuts. I'm trying to be a bit more serious because I'm older. So I'm under the kitchen getting all the, like the sprays and all that. And I'm trying, you ever, egg doesn't come off walls. Does it not? Oh, does it fuck? Right. <laughs> I'm scraping, I'm scraping that much. There's paint coming off. They're standing laughing at me because I'm naked doing this, scraping everything <laughs> off the wall. Easty goes to open the curtains so we can get a better look at what we've done. The fucking window's smashed and there's a melon on the floor. So at this point, I'm going, look, boys, this is not good. So we tried to do the world's worst cleanup and we're walking down to training. We're going to be training. Brian Laws obviously doesn't know that we've wrecked the room. But as we're walking down to training, I had to walk past this communal swimming pool. <laughs> I looked in the swimming pool and the table tennis table was in the swimming pool. And I was like, yeah, fucking beauty. Somebody else is getting dragged in here. So <laughs> we get down to training. And Brian Laws is hold this big kind of circular meeting before we train. <clears throat> Boys, you know, we've come along here to, to kind of do a bit of team bonding, but it's been taken far too far. And he doesn't know we've fucked our room at this point. I'm going on and on. But I'm looking around, I'm looking around all the boys and I'm saying, where's fucking big Clark Carlisle? Oh, he's not here. Honestly. Just you heard like somebody shouting, you know those golf buggies that the cleaners use with the towels in the back? Oh yeah. Comes like jukes of hazard over the top of a hill, lands, <laughs> towels everywhere, comes up, handbrake turns into like the middle of the meeting, right? <laughs> Jumps out, he's wearing a pair of slips and a pair of brown brogues. He's like, ah, I'm ready to train gaffer. See at that point, I'd looked at, I looked at Brian Law's face and you could just see this man knew we were getting relegated. That was us finished. Oh, oh amazing, man. Ridiculous scenes. Oh, was that a good was that a good dressing room? Brilliant! I mean, a great. Kev McDonald's some boy, aye. Kev's Dundee a lovely boy. boy, funny, funny boy. It's big Easty as well, um, but we had we had a really, really strong uh, changing room uh, for two years, and then Eddie Howe came in, and Eddie was Eddie came in. He was the same age as us. Is that weird? It was weird because he came in and he, he, Eddie's by nature is quite serious. Mm. I don't know whether he is off the pitch, but 
when he came into the job, he was quite serious and quite... I think he felt as though, as a young manager, he had to, you know, gain respect very quickly because, you know, maybe people thought you could trample all over somebody because they were young. And mm. there was at least six or seven of us who were the same age, if not older, from Coyley's squad. And he maybe found that a wee bit intimidating, but he, we all kind of get bombed out slowly and he started to get younger players. Marvin Bartley at Livy, he came in. Um, and Same Charlie Austin that, didn't he? Charlie, like Charlie, uh, what a player. Ball, yeah. uh, he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we all kind of eventually get bombed out. Right, and then St Murn, Amazing. Were you so Amazing. buzzing when you... Was it all, were you always in contact with St Murn coming no, towards no, the end no. of your career? No. Or was it always your thought to go and finish your career there? At St Murn? Yeah. Aye. Uh, born in Paisley, brought up. When I say brought up as a Murn fan, I never got to go to that many games. I went to the Scottish Cup final, and I lived next door to a player called Barry Lavetti. Who I remember um, him. Aye, big bash. Volunteer. Aye, nutter. Uh, who then broke into the first team. We I'd grown up playing football with Barry in in the park behind our house. Uh, he's a wee bit older than me, and we'd grown up basically from the age of about five through to. 14 until his mum said he wasn't allowed to play anymore because he was getting too serious towards the first team. Barry broke in and then we went along and watched him every single week, myself and his sister and my brother. Uh, So I was infatuated by Barry. I knew St Mirren's number nine, blah, blah, blah. So it was weird that I ended up being a St Mirren number nine and two St Mirren strikers came from the same street in a village that's population is like 4,000. Mental that. Uh Um, But St Mirren, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of... I had options. I think at the time, uh, Derek McInnes had been in touch at St Johnston, maybe. Uh, I think Hibs maybe were interested. There was a late sniff from Charlton. But I was always coming up to come home. We'd bought a house, actually, the house we live in now, whilst we were in Burnley. It was always the plan to come up the road. Because the kids right. were getting towards going to school. Uh-huh. We wanted them to go to the school that they're in. So, um, again, you know, coming into a club... Uh, for me, it was amazing. I was actually nervous coming in because I was coming back up the road and a lot of people that, that I know from our area and our friends and family are St Mirren fans. So I felt a bit of pressure, you know, to be able to do well. Yeah. Um, and we had another great squad of guys, brilliant. Um, and to go and win a, their first trophy. Did you ever think you'd win, win a League Cup? No. Never think you'd Why win a Cup uh-huh. Why would you? At you what know? stage did you know you had a right good chance? Um, when we beat Aberdeen, uh, which I think was the quarters, was it? Up there. Um, and then we, we had Celtic at Hamden. So you're approaching the game. I mean, that, that Celtic at Hamden victory is the best I've seen a St Mirren team play in a long time. We were brilliant that day. It was we meet balls, uh, one of his first games. He was battering Wanyama about. We Paul McGowan was brilliant. Good player. Uh, Craig Sampson was great in goals. And uh, Vansy had a brilliant game. Uh, we, we actually had not a bad t- team at that stage you know Tilly top Very player tilly, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we'd signed Dizma Gonsalves so we're, we're not bad but it came together for us in that semi-final and when we won, when we won that I kind of was like we're going to do this and how, how was the final? build up we started really badly the yeah. build up was immense and you know we, we got taken away up to St Andrews and the build up from a professional point of view was excellent from St Mirren they did everything right uh, Danny Lennon um, and Austin McPhee and Tommy McCraig you know, I wouldn't have prepared any differently to how we did. In the game itself, Hearts scored first. We were taking an absolute pummeling. Uh, they, they should have been 3 0 ahead. Uh, I think Big Steve O scored, but we were getting battered. Uh, 
and then right on half time we managed to get another goal we managed to get a goal uh, I crossed it and or I put Tilly down the wing the wing Tilly crossed it and Isma scored great time to score half time the boys are kind of right we're getting back in about it straight after half time I managed to score uh, which was just to score in a cup final for your boyhood team that you supported that's it doesn't yeah. get any better I should probably just come off the pitch and retire after that uh, aye uh, you know because Emotion, would you it get was, emotional? Ah, fuck I. And tears me after the game? We went out that, well, we went out for about the next three weeks. <laughs> uh, but that night we had a, a, an organised thing by the club. The following day we went out. And I remember me and Big Mark McCausland, Cheesy, just crying our eyes out, like, for, like, half an hour. <laughs> like, just, obviously alcohol or something. Uh, but we were just uh, crying our eyes out the whole time we were there. That was an epic three day. Fancy turns up at my house the morning after we win the cup. We'd been out that night. The kids had gone to school. It's five past nine. Where I create a bud. Ding dong. Like I'm like, get in there for the fucking neighbour see you. <laughs> get one of them open. And I would a massive three days. Didn't win a game for about six months after that. Oh, who fun. cares, mate? Yeah, it was good. Uh, just on John McGinn. Could you tell? Be honest. Could you tell he was destined for big things straight away? No. 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 And why no? Because he he had a rawness about him back then. Uh, he's always had the kind of awkward look to him, John, on the pitch, but. I knew he was a good player I think when he went to Hibs he improved a lot and then getting in the Scotland squad he improved again when he went down to Villa he's just what he's done is he's continued to improve a lot mm. of people reach a certain stage and maybe plateau great word plateau uh, it is and John he's yet to plateau and he's yeah. keeping on going up and it's brilliant I'm so delighted for him because you need to get him on he's very very funny he does a brilliant Andy Murray impression right you, oh, you buzzing, it's right? A, it's brilliant. Now, all this nearly never happened because you will be known as the guy that chid John McGinnis. It's a horrible moment. It's something I don't like talking about. What, did you actually chit yourself when it happened? Aye. It was, it was horrific. Uh, it's, without a word of a lie, it was, yeah. it was horrific to watch. Obviously an accident, huh? Aye. We were to dribble through poles. There was a pole there and a pole there and he'd got in front of me and dribbled through the pole. I'd banged into the pole and it was in my chest and I just grabbed it. But he was, there, he was facing that way and running that way. So I've gone to throw it behind him, like, yummy bastard. And he's Cruyff turned as I've thrown oh, it yeah. and started coming back this way because somebody was pressing him from that side. It's just gone in and out of his thigh dead quickly. And I didn't realise at that point in time how deep it had obviously gone in. It's probably gone in, you know, I don't know, a long way. But thankfully our club doctor was on site at the time and he dealt with it very well. But obviously there'd been muscular damage pretty much out for the season. It was horrific, mm. absolutely horrific. I spoke to John's mum and dad and, you know, I was... It was a horrible moment, obviously more so for John. Um, but you know, I, I, it was just—I hate thinking about it. it. Gives me like massive heebie-jeebies. Just think if you threw his head, it would have bounced straight off his own. He's not joking. His feet are actually huge. Oh, it's toughened him up, mate. You've toughened him up. Aye, you take credit for his hit. Um, right, I always wanted to ask this as well. Why never into coaching? I was going to. I mean, I did my B license. I've done my A license. Um, I might have gone on to the pro. But uh, at that time, Jim Goodwin and Gary Teal were given the assistant manager's jobs when Danny Lennon left under Tommy Craig. And they were put on their pro uh, by the club. And I think my nose was out of joint a bit. I was right. just kind of, mm. so I kind of never went on. It. And then I never really was proactive with it. I was just kind of a bit, I got my license. And when I got my license, I was quite into it. Yeah. But I never, I never, I think you've got to then start taking a team or, Helping with the twenties, and I was just concentrating and trying to finish my career. And 
I never was proactive enough with it. Um, I don't regret that decision. You know, it's there be in the future. I don't think so because I really, I, I, I really enjoy what I do mm. uh, just now an awful lot, um, and it gives me. I've got a great life balance in terms of the work and being able to spend time with the kids and family. Uh, and go to the David Lloyd in the morning. And watch your boy, who is a player, I've heard. An Aye, absolute player. He is. He is indeed. Good. Uh, and lastly, how do you look back on it all? I look back with no regrets. And, I, and you know, like I've, again, been lucky enough to be involved in some incredible moments at every club I've been at, to meet some unbelievably funny people, great people, and have a hell of a lot of good nights out. Tom, a pleasure. Top man, what a guy. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.